Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. If you had told me I would be setting more healthy boundaries with my closest loved ones, not doing something out of guilt, and comfortable asking for the sale or setting prices equal to my worth in my business after such a short time in this course, I certainly would have told you no way. However, I'm doing all of those things and much, much more unapologetically these days. While you're grabbing a pen and piece of paper, consider this. Just how many people are actually paid to learn? Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And by the time I'm done with this course, I will have earned more than what I invested in this life-changing journey. You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. And to get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. Now, it's time to dive in and let's get to work. And now, let's meet the rest of the team. Hi, this is Marcia Sortino, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. And now, time for class. In our last class, I can tell that not only did I open up Pandora's box, but uh, we got the steam shovel out, and we were beginning to really dig deep. Is that an accurate reflection? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it usually like that in our class? No, right. Like, what, what else is new? What else is new, Soul? Jeez. What's been cooking since you've been in this particular chapter where we're digging into ethics and integrity? What's been coming up for you? I wonder how I'm going to feel if I, say, take one day and lose my ethics. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. If I don't live up to it. What then? Where, am I going to panic? Is it going to make me feel like, oh, my gosh, here I am back to square one. Why didn't I just do what I said I was going to do? Remember how we said in our last class that if you know something has to change, if you've made an agreement and you now know that that agreement has to change and you change it before the due date, you're still ethical. Right. So what's the pressure? I'm more looking at the lines of, what if I forget? (laughs) Like if I say I'm going to call somebody and I forget. You forget. Oh, well. (laughs) You learn from it. Right? You do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But if you have a pattern of forgetting, now that's where we need to do some work on, right? Right. Well, for me, it's brought up the whole expectations and doing things out of doubt and guilt. It's been very much definitely pointed that out. When would we do something out of doubt, guilt, shame, or worry? Come on, who does that? (laughs) Wait a minute. We have ground rules, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of crazy because there's so many more things that I agree to do or I or say I'm going to do and that I've yet to realize I just really did that out of guilt. Oh, shoot, I'm going to do it. Like that old habit. Mm-hmm. And then there's still the lingering, um, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. <laughs> that controller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> controller, the perfectionist, the competitor. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Every other chapter of this book, it is just, shined a big bright light on my shit. 
So I'm going to update the website, paybewatermorth.com. We'll just put a big image at the front home page. Well, it does, and at the same time, if you've noticed the exercises in Chapter 9, I invite you to become more forward-thinking. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're brainstorming things that you know you're going to have to do, you're brainstorming things that will go on your timeline. You're brainstorming. It's the bigger commitments. It's the bigger agreements. I'm not talking about putting on your timeline you're meeting someone for coffee at noon tomorrow and you happen to, like, oops, traffic jam, it's now 12.15 and you're not there. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are the bigger issues, the bigger agreements that you make with people on larger forward-thinking topics like quitting your job, like starting a business, like taking better care of your health. It's the bigger stuff. And when you start writing down those issues that you know you need to do, I'm asking you to dissect them. And this is where you can play with your analyzer. I'll give you permission to play, underscore play with your analyzer with a heavy dose of explore. But looking back on what you're now more aware of, you're aware of how you will sabotage yourself because you're more mindful from this journey that you're taking, yeah? Yeah, for sure. So if you're more mindful of how you might, underscore bold, might sabotage yourself, have you noticed that just by being aware of your might sabotage, you're less likely to sabotage? Did that make any sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm less likely to make a promise to somebody that I can't keep. Mm-hmm. So here's a little secret. When you truly study a master, when you're in the tutelage of a master, you might notice the master rarely. And by rarely, I mean maybe once or twice a year agrees to anything. Why do you think that is? So that they can stay ethical and not break any of promises or any of the things that they say they can do or will do. Mm-hmm. They simplify. One of the techniques one teacher taught me is never to keep a calendar. I mean, yes, that I've contracted with Team Clarity to provide a service, have a call once a week every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I agreed to that, and I've stuck to it. I have yet to ever ask Team Clarity, can I beg off a call? True? Yeah. Yeah. And I have no problem with sending out an email message, hey, something dramatic in my life has happened. I am unable to make Saturday's call. When can we reschedule? If that day should ever happen, I have no problems doing that. And by doing so, I still maintain the ethical nature of our contract, right? Right. Point being is when a master makes an agreement with me, I'm really conscious of the fact that I'm in deep doo-doo if I try to screw around with that agreement. (laughs) (laughs) Because they've set their focus. They've set their intention. They have set in motion a whole host of resources and tools for my benefit 
it is up to me as their student to be mindful of that blessing and utilize it well. How does that put a spin on the conversations we were having in Chapter 3 when we talked about what types of mentorships you seek and offer? When I can really work on just myself and not have to handhold, it really does bring about a different viewpoint for me about how to mentor somebody because I don't really want to have to handhold either. Awesome insight. Christina, you've never had to handhold people, have you? (laughs) (laughs) I do it so much less these days. When you think about being a coach, Christina, and, you're, and a person is hiring you to be their master for all practical purposes, you're the master of whatever it is that they're paying you for, right? Mm-hmm. As you become more aware of ethics, how is that shaping your contract with your student? Actually, it's done a lot to help me be more clear up front on my messaging, framing their expectations. Wow. It, it, it certainly minimizes the likelihood of their result. It's, very, it's more razor sharp on what you can expect. Which produces more success. Yes. How is that different from the past? Frustrating to even say it out loud, but in the past, my mindset was so much more just wanting to fulfill the world for them. Sure, you need all of this? Okay, great. We can work towards all of this. And I certainly could have delivered all of that over time, right? But our contract was for a, a finite amount of time. So the expectation of what they may have wanted versus what would be reasonable were not congruent. Ah, okay. The interesting thing is, is I never was in a situation where someone was called me out and said, well, you didn't deliver this, this, or this. Interestingly enough, because they clearly hadn't gone through this book either, (laughs) but I know that I was left feeling frustrated at the results because I knew they wanted certain results and they were not able to produce those results in that time. literally did put me in a position of judging them and their efforts. And did you beat yourself up because then because they failed, you failed? Yep. I beat myself up because, Christina, you weren't good enough to help over that huge barrier in their lives and their business. Like, what was it that you could have done better to help them over that block? Because that block right there, this huge block that you can see, they can't see, and you failed to help them over that. When that block had nothing at all to do with what I was hired to help them with. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, but I went... Christina saved the world mission. That was not their stuff. That was my stuff. <laughs> Christina, the superwoman with magical powers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in engaging in those behaviors anymore. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Conscious of that, doesn't that lift the world off your shoulders? Yeah, it does. I'm responsible for me. I don't want to be responsible for everybody. But it also helps in the conversation of certainly that's something that we can work towards. But let's be clear, that will require more time. And, of course, that is 
a different price package. <laughs> it makes the conversation easier. Makes it more professional as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that most professional service providers run into is that blurry line between the quasi-friendship, quasi-professional relationship. For example, we might meet someone at a networking event, and they learn of our skills and our talents, and then they start nibbling around the edges. They want free advice. And so we'll, out of generosity, we'll do some brainstorming. We'll practice our craft for them, normally something we would bill someone for, but because they're brand new and we're just kind of building the relationship, we're giving them a freebie. They take that freebie, and now we've opened the door to more freebies. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We set the precedent. So then the next time that we connect, and it's now time to talk turkey. It's time to, can I do for you? What can you do for me? Now they're often shocked that I'm going to turn the meter on. It's like, well, wait a minute. I thought we were friends. How many times have you heard that? I haven't heard it per se, but the actions were certainly that. Throughout the course of, of this course, it's made me more and more conscious and mindful of, of my behavior in relationships where I might be masterminding with someone and when it gets to that line where I feel like I'm asking more expertise above and beyond a general what you kind of think, bounce it off of me kind of thing, I'm very clear in saying, all right, so what do you charge for this kind of service? So that they understand I'm valuing them and their expertise and don't expect them to give it to me for free. Now, so it, sometimes they may say, oh, I charge so-and-so and so-and-so, but, you know, you're my homegirl, I'll give it to you for this amount. Or sometimes they just may be like, girl, please, you're not going to pay for this. And even still in some situations I've been in like that, I've still gone on and paid that something that directly or maybe I bought something else of theirs. Either way it goes, I felt the need to honor that expertise. And I feel like that has returned, made some of my counterparts more mindful of what they ask of me. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a good point. If I want to be paid what I'm worth, I better be more than willing and ready to offer you payment for your worth. Without the expectation of somebody saying, ah, nah. So when I encounter people who say, well, I thought we were friends, I said, well, here's an interesting question. How much do you take advantage of your friends? And how many friends do you have like that? (laughs) Because oftentimes people who take advantage of friendships are clueless. They're clueless that they're taking advantage. It doesn't register on their radar that they're taking advantage of the friendship. They don't know. They don't know that there's this gaping wad of spinach in their teeth because no one's ever told them. <laughs> and it's easy to do. It's definitely easy to take advantage of someone, and unknowingly so. Because what is that line for with one person or in one relationship is certainly not the same line in the next one always. So what I do And I've always intuitively done this, but I've been much more mindful about doing it early on in relationships now 
is I always frame a secure zone so that we can freely talk. Like, and, and I say, hey, we need to establish a secure zone so that it doesn't get icky feeling or weird feeling. End up having feelings of resentment in here, or I'm sitting here feeling some kind of way and you're clueless about it or vice versa. Let's just always create a secure zone to where we know we can talk about this without judgment, without expectation, doubt, worry. We can keep it funky that way. And not only does that protect us, our friendship, but it also helps the business stay clean and clear. Far less stressful. Far less stressful, yeah. It's crazy how uncomfortable that is for most everybody. And they're so relieved to have the discussion. And for me to have brought it up, they're like, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is not easy for me to discuss. And we've modeled that in our relationship, haven't we? Mm-hmm. So part of the ethical practice in the exercises that I'm suggesting you look at is well put by, Christina, your concept of creating a safe zone. Can you create a safe zone with yourself? When I make an agreement, utilizing the safe zone concept that you just talked about allows me to have a dialogue with myself saying, wait, you're about to make an agreement. Is this agreement for real? What's this agreement all about? Is this agreement because I need to be loved? Is this agreement because I'm insecure? Is this agreement some sort of manipulative way for me to get into, you know, what's this agreement going on? Be real with myself, right? Mm-hmm. And this little internal conversation doesn't have to take more than a second or two. I mean, those internal conversations can happen pretty fast, yeah? <laughs> Marcia, do you find that when you're making agreements with yourself, do you take any opportunity to sort of figure out like a, a mitigation sort of tripwire so that you don't break that agreement? Absolutely. Basically, I just have to take a minute to just explore my thoughts. I have to take a step away from, the, from just the conversation alone and really just explore what is it that I want here? What am I doing? So it's made me more mindful about me making sure that my head is not up my butt and I'm not always coming and asking, but that I'm also giving in all of my relationships. That was well said. Really well said. Thanks. Are we talking about balance? (laughs) (laughs) It's that B word, yeah. There's that B word again, balance. Yep. The enlightened people that I care to have in my world understands, huh, wait a minute. She does have value, and I should be compensating her for that value. And that doesn't always mean money. I thank you and pay me what I'm worth for showing me that, you know. Part of my reason for giving a person what I call the easy way out, let's be real, Christina, Marsha, I'm going to give you two options. Option A, you can simply get your checkbook out and make a payment, and our contract is complete. Option B, you must live and be the best person you can possibly be every minute of every day for the rest of your life. No exceptions. No excuses. Which option would you like, A or B? 
I'll take B. B. So that means whenever you're tempted to blow something off, whenever you're tempted to just make up excuses, whenever you're tempted to do things that you know aren't in your best interest, which I will have no clue about, but you do it anyway, you then are no longer ethical in our relationship. But if you just simply get your checkbook out and you make a what I call a pittance payment, right now what I ask people to pay me is a pittance. What you are learning in your life, you will use for the rest of your life. If I asked you for a dollar every time you did something that was a direct result out of what you've learned and pay me what I'm worth, every time you you used a skill that got sharpened from pay me what I'm worth, you had to pay me a dollar, you'd be paying me tens of thousands of dollars every year. True or false? True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you tell me you would rather choose option B, you're choosing the harder path. This is the path I've made to my superior teachers. I would much rather get my checkbook out and say, what do you want, $50,000? Great. Here it is. Cash it. Thank you very much. Have a nice life. Goodbye. Call me when you need to. That's simple. So when I give a person the option to pay me off financially, in my mind, I've given you the easiest route to balance the equation. Why do you think most wealthy people are so happy to just write a check and walk away? It's convenient. Yeah? Yeah. So when people think all I'm asking them for is money, and I'm all about money, they have yet to get to an awareness that I've offered them convenience. I've offered them a way for me to feel satisfied and for them to feel satisfied with nothing but a transfer of digits. From an ethical standpoint, when it comes to balance, that's what really ethics is all about. Does your word balance with your deeds? Yes or no? And we're getting tripped up. What I'm hearing you all say is you're getting tripped up that what happens if you don't do what you say you're going to do? We go back to the wisdom bank. Did you learn from it? When you said you were going to show up at 1 o'clock for lunch and you blew it off because you completely forgot it, What did that teach you? There's no way to fail if you decide to take the lesson. Now, what I'm sensing in both of you is you're being far too hard on yourselves. Old patterns of beating yourself up haven't quite dissolved yet. Am I reflecting that accurately? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not the same as it was. Well, at least for me, I'm finding that that I didn't realize that all of the different forms that those old patterns took. It feels like a kind of like a Trojan horse, right? I didn't even know. I wasn't aware. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and now when, I'm, when I recognize I'm like, oh, I didn't even never even think about it like that. I never even knew it took form like that. And it's mindful that this is a never-ending process. We're always growing. We're always shaving off the rough stuff, buffing up, as you say. <laughs> Are you now appreciating more the very first pages of our book concerning mm-hmm. I very rules? much underestimated those first pages. The very first <laughs> chapter, like the preface in the first chapter, I was like, I don't know, we're not going to go through all these chapters like this. Cause this is... <laughs> 
it, it really did feel a little rudimentary, but now I'm just like, oh. And I've actually gone back to <laughs> the front of the book, like, ah, oh, this has a whole different meaning for me now. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Yep. A lot of educated doctorate-level people, when they do my course, they think I'm being a bit kindergarten when I talk about doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. From an intellectual standpoint, they're masturbating with me like, look, we got it. Let's move on. You don't got it. And I will show you how in so many different ways as we take our journey. <laughs> like you say, the Trojan horse, Christina. I mean, as you look at how many different flavors, colors, shapes, sizes, doubt has played a role in your life. Mind-boggling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Have you encountered a situation yet in our journey, Christina, Marsha, where you think you've finally shaken loose, say, doubt, shame, guilt, or worry? You think, ah, whew, I'm done with that. Thank you. I'm wiping my hands. I'm, thank God I no longer dot, dot, dot. And then within less than 48 hours, something will come along and go, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Has that happened? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Not as often, though. I'm so much more aware now. And as soon as I become aware, I can can just, I'm aware of it. Much better. That awareness is much like when the lights get turned on in the room and the cockroaches scamper. As that awareness gets turned on, as the light of awareness gets turned on to doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, have you found it just simply evaporates in that moment because you're now aware of the doubt, the guilt, the shame, or the worry? Yes. It does seem to evaporate, and it's just because of awareness, really. So roll that in to ethics, like adding cream and butter and milk, you're folding it in as you're making a dessert. As you fold in awareness when you make an agreement and that awareness triggers a doubt, triggers a worry, triggers the potential feeling of shame or guilt. When that trigger happens as you're making the agreement, you alter the agreement instantly, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, Christina, give me a before and after. Before you got through all of this, give me an agreement that you were accustomed to making. I mean, you made it almost constantly because of the operating patterns that you had at that time. And how has that changed now? As simple as someone inviting me to a gathering, I'll be like, okay, yeah, okay. Now I'm like, when is it? What's going on? Who's going to be there? (laughs) Girl, I don't know about that one. And I'm quick to say, I don't know about that one. Or you know me, I'm going to tell you what, let me holler at you closer to that date. Or sometimes I'll just straight up say, no, girl, I'm not doing that. You ain't going to see me there. (laughs) Because I'm more mindful of of the harm that it does for me to Oh, and then go to something and put and push through it, right? Knowing that the energies 
like being aware of the energies that are going to be there and how I respond to them and how literally the whole next day I'm trying to recover from that experience. It's just not worth it. It's like being hung over. Ain't no sense in me getting drunk because that's not a good feeling. <laughs> and when you start getting more comfortable with saying no, Christina, how does that ripple back to people who are used to you saying yes? At first it was more or less like, a, what? I'm going to see you. Or, or like they didn't believe me when I said no. But now it's like, all right, okay. With these people that are used to you saying yes, do you give them an insight that you've changed? Do you preface your no before you say no? I don't feel like I've had to give a preface. I mean, they are aware that I have changed. And some of them that I didn't think were aware have recently expressed to me how they've been watching, how they've listened to some something or watched a video or something. And so, and they're like, that's real cool, that's real cool. Like, I, I'm feeling you on that. From our focus on ethics and integrity, what is that preface doing? Aligning what the word and the deed. Correct. If I have made it a contract with you, whether implicit or explicit, and I'm changing that contract, it is more healthy and more ethical to let you know that I'm changing the contract. Right. So, for example, if you're accustomed to me saying yes to you for years, decades, I say yes. It's an implicit social contract in your mind that I will just naturally say yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm now saying no. Wouldn't that make you wonder whether I'm being ethical? Or it would make me wonder, are you mad at me? Again, I use that visualization of a bridge. Every agreement has a bridge. And if all of a sudden that bridge has to change, I need to let them know that. I don't want them to get on the bridge and then end up in the river. (laughs) (laughs) So when all of a sudden relationships that I've had for a long time, I realize I need to upgrade them. You know, our computers are constantly dinging us for upgrades, right? Just about every time you turn your computer on, doesn't it say, this needs an upgrade, that needs an upgrade, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Our relationships are no different. And every upgrade, I doubt you read them, but every upgrade has a set of release notes. What changed from before and what's new now? Yeah? Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody reads them, but they're there. They document what changed so that if on the off chance you need to, you can go back and dig it up and you can find out, oh, okay, you changed this setting or this got deleted or that got added. So they know what happened. And now we can make meaning so our continuity doesn't have any bumps in the road. Is this sounding familiar? Say that again. When we give people a preface to a change. It helps establish meaning such that the continuity in the relationship has less bumps. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. 
I don't want people to wonder, is everything okay? Are you angry at me? Uh, how come you're not talking to me? I don't want people having to go through that. <laughs> so communication, that is key, and to practice it if there's going to be a change. Yeah? So let's apply this to ethics. Going forward now, as you think about whatever agreement you're making with someone, whether that's a very simplistic meeting somebody for lunch or agreeing to call them at a certain date at a certain time, something very light, very simple, not that big of a deal if something happened and it didn't happen. I mean, if I make an agreement with you that, yes, we'll get together at 1 o'clock on Tuesday to do a debrief call, and then whatever happens and I either forget it or blow it off or something happens and that call doesn't happen, it's not like you're missing a kidney transplant or something like that. I mean, you know, the repercussions of that call not happening is not that big a deal. And in my book, we can kind of go with the flow. At least that's how I operate. But on the other hand, if you, okay, Soul's going to talk with me at 1 o'clock on Tuesday, and then all of a sudden between the time that you made that agreement and the call, you've had other lucrative opportunities to connect with other people and they all want to talk to you at one o'clock on Tuesday and you've had to decline them because you've already made an agreement with me to talk to me and it was somewhat tricky to get another time with that person. If I blow you off on Tuesday, completely unaware of the fact that you've had to rejuggle your life around that call, you could be pretty pissed off at me. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess, now yeah. you know why I rarely schedule calls. Yeah. I prefer to go with the flow myself. They're busy, and you never know what's going to come up for somebody either, or they have to take care of. So you have to have some flexibility in there. I have to have some flexibility, and I do appreciate when somebody's flexible with me. You know, I've even found that I don't even trip, like, if a coaching client sends me a notification, like, at the last minute or not long before our appointment, and they cancel with a litany of excuses or whatever, that it clearly wasn't a, oh, just emergency just popped up kind of thing. I've even found that I don't even trip about that. Like, it doesn't even, because I'm now going about my day such that, okay, great, it actually works out for me. I slide something else up, and I can get more done, or I can knock off earlier. Yay, win-win. Is that, I don't know. Is that a, as long as your client knows, they still owe you for that coaching session and no refunds. That is the thing that has been such a liberating, that's one of those shifts for me. Because previously, I would have been like, oh, no, i got to work this in so that they don't miss this information, blah, blah. And now I'm like, all right, you didn't pay me. I don't feel responsible <laughs> to make sure you got that lesson. Ethics, integrity. We've dived into the pool of clarifying the difference between ethics and morals, how ethics is simply a, an alignment of word equal deed, how morals, when factored into ethics, make things much more complex. Are we clear on that, or is there still some cloudy, foggy, smoky sort of relationship with morals and ethics? I'm clear on it. I ain't even going to lie. I'm still a little cloudy at times, but (laughs) that's probably just me having those moments of judgment. Bingo. 
Christina, you just put your finger on the key word that defines the difference between ethics and morals. Morals include judgments. Ethics do not. Earlier when you said that about your masters don't do all that agreeing to do stuff, it's kind of odd because that's something that I've been toying with for the last few weeks since we've been on this topic of agreements and stuff. It's just like, well, heck, I'm better off just not saying that I'm going to do something. But is that me punking Bingo. out? Or... <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. Underscore. Underline. Bold. Blinking. <laughs> in, in other words, that's just just being in a flow and not yes. having expectations on anything. Just being in that flow and let it happen when it's supposed to happen. I have some resistance to that, and it's because I'm judging it. I think, but you know, broadly, I think societal norms do not, that's not acceptable. Like, for example, at work, I get so frustrated because risk managers and the attorneys, you can never, it, the higher up the food chain they are, interestingly enough, <laughs> the less likely they are to concretely confirm or agree or approve a doggone thing that like makes my hackles go up and and in general i think that does most people just find people who are unwilling to agree to something like shady or untrustworthy has it ever occurred to you christina that the people who are higher up on the food chain know more of the complexity of what it is you're asking them to say yes to than you do i would say in general in life probably (laughs) <laughs> sometimes I don't know about them folks at work <laughs> but yeah I get what you're saying what I hear you say is you want society likes agreements they like to be able to put their finger or wrap control around something so that they know they can do something by such and such a date and such and such and such is going to happen and then they can plan to this and then they can plan to that and on and on and on is that accurate mm-hmm. what happens with when one domino falls when they didn't even know that domino was there. The point of ethics and integrity, I'm going to live up to doing my best. If you don't think I've done my best, that's not my problem. That's your problem, period. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Ownership is the name of the game with Chapter 9. Ownership. Ownership of the reality that we have zero control over anything. We can do our best. We can have all the good intentions that we want. We can make agreements with the best intentions. But there are certain things into factor that we'll never know about. We'll never know that as we cross this intersection, someone is texting, they're doing something where they're not paying attention, that they're about to run into you and cause you car and your life damage we don't know that all these random things that can happen what we can do is be mindful what we can do is before we creep out into the intersection to cross it we can look both ways and really see is it clear regardless of what the stop sign or the stoplight is telling the opposing traffic right right Mm -hmm. we can be aware That's the power of this program. Be aware.
Thank you for listening. Any personal ahas of your own? As one of many Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains, it's my role to help you get serious about removing blocks to your success as well as live a more stress-free, confident life. Wonder if this course is for you? If you are a serious action taker committed to playing big in life and being your best you, I look forward to seeing you in my next class. Call me at area code 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 to talk about your next steps. Before you go, let's continue this discussion in the comment box below. You can always help other people have breakthrough moments when you share this show across your social media. I look forward to speaking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Definitely radio worth listening to. Have a great day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.